As believers, we cannot allow fear to settle in our hearts and then begin to rule our lives, rule our decision-making, rule every area of our, our world. Satan needs fear to gain legal access in your life. He cannot move in his place, the kingdom of darkness. He cannot rule, rule with any power. He can't make any power moves in your life unless he does it through fear. And that's how he gets a legal footing. Fear and faith work on the same spiritual basis. Um, and Job said this. And by the way, let me just make, I'm going to make this clear. Fear and faith do work on the same spiritual basis because both are looking towards something that has not happened yet. So we fear what we don't know. We fear what hasn't happened. We're afraid that it might happen. And faith is the same thing. We're believing God for something that has not happened yet. They're polar opposites, but they work in the same principles. That's what we find out in Job, where Job, uh, he, he was so afraid of losing his family. And the Bible says that he said these words, the thing that I greatly feared has come upon me. The thing I meditated day and night, couldn't get out of my heart, couldn't get out of my mind, I was so afraid of, finally it snuck up in my world. How did that happen? It gave the devil legal right and access to walk in his world and cause all kinds of havoc and problems. Matter of fact, the Bible says, he said these words, he said, I, I'm afraid, and I, he said, for trouble comes and I cannot keep quiet. So he, in other words, trouble hadn't come yet, but it was on its way. Jesus also said in the New Testament, he said this, be it unto you according to your, everybody say faith. So you see, the operation is the same. In other words, the man needed a healing from the Lord. The Lord wanted to give him a healing. He had to have the faith to believe that what he needed was going to come to pass. The same thing with fear. In other words, what you're afraid of can just be in your mind, but the moment you rebuke it in the name of Jesus and cast down those thoughts in the name of Jesus, fear now cannot grip you. The devil can't get a hold of you, and he can't walk in your world. How do you know you're operating in fear? When you begin to shift into self-preservation mode, how will this affect me? Um, uh, will I be able? Will I be able to make it through? These are all these are all good questions, but they're fear-motivated questions to preserve ourselves. Let's be honest. Really, we are in a place there where we are just not trusting in God to see us through to the other side. We're now trying to take the, our authority for ourselves and say, what can I do to survive this thing or get to the next place? Rather than saying, Lord, I trust you emphatically. Proverbs 3, chapter 3, verse 5 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, God, and he shall what? If you want your paths to be directed, and we all want him to direct our paths, then the Bible says you've got to trust in him, you've got to lean upon him, and you've got to acknowledge him. And if you'll do those things, he will direct your path. But the first thing in order to lean and to be able to acknowledge, you've got to learn to trust him. Everybody say, it's time for me to trust my God. 
Trust is not trust is not the absence of fear. It's watch this. It's the conscious decision to yield to the proven authority and ability of another in the face of fear. I didn't get that in some dictionary. The Lord gave that to me for you. I'm gonna say it again. Trust is not the absence of fear. It's the conscious decision to yield to the proven leadership and ability of another. In this case, it's God in the face of fear. Though I fear, I fear, I have fearful moments and thoughts, I still trust him. I lean upon his leadership and his ability to get me through it. I realize that during times like this, you know, coronavirus and different things that are happening and wars and rumors of wars and terrorist attack and, and we had this Miller shooting and all this, I realize that people ask, well, where is God when bad things happen all around us? I'll say this, where he's always been and always will be on his throne. And God ain't nervous, and God is not frustrated. God is God alone. And we have to remember there is, one, there is more than just one force at play in this earth. There's God. There's the world, which is the system of man ruled by Satan. There's the flesh and the devil. Say it again. There's God, the world, the flesh, the devil. And the world is the system of man, but also the flesh is the fallen nature of us. And then the devil is the one who comes to steal and to kill and destroy. Not God, but the devil. But there's also one more. There's the born-again, spirit-filled child of God that God has given all authority to and access, the keys of the kingdom of heaven, that in order we bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth is loose. Are y'all flowing with me tonight? We have a lot of theater that we do here at the church. We do different productions. And in theater, you find out there's more than just one actor in that play. Likewise, the same is true on earth. It's not just God alone. He is the main actor, no doubt about it. He is the star. But there's other actors and those that act up in the play or act up in the earth. And we have been given the power to subjugate that evil force. Let's look real quick at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. You're not going to lose your mind. Why should we ever be afraid of the one who got kicked out of heaven? Are y'all following me so far? Jesus said, I beheld Satan fall like lightning to the earth. Jesus made a public show of the devil and triumphed over him in it at his resurrection. The Bible says, now when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard, that's the church, against him. No weapon formed against him, us shall prosper, and every tongue that rises against you, you shall condemn. This is the heritage, your heritage of the Lord, and the righteousness that you have in him. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in this world. Everybody say, no fear. I decree that you will not be defeated. You will not die in a tragic accident or some shooting. You will not get the coronavirus in the name of Jesus. Not you, not your kids. You will not be sick and in pain in all your life. You will not live in lack and poverty. You will not be debt free all your life. You will not have marital issues all your life. You're about ready to break in and break out to a whole other level. 
I said you serve a God who will not forget about you. You serve a God of power. You serve a God of might. You serve a God of strength. You serve a God who's supernatural. You serve a God who owns a cattle on a thousand hills. You serve a God who is a God of opulence and walks on streets of gold. You serve a God who is willing to give you good gifts. You serve a God who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. You serve a God who loves you. You serve a God who protects you. Who's ready for the loving, fulfilled, protected life that only God can give his people? Give the Lord a shout of praise. Come on. Let me make this announcement tonight. There is an expiration date on your trouble. Oh, you didn't hear me. I said there's an expiration date on all your trouble. And that date starts tonight. All violence, coronavirus, poverty, sickness, disease, we serve you notice. You're coming to an end in the name of Jesus. If you believe it, give the Lord a shout of praise in this place. Church, do not give fear one inch. Not one thought. Not one moment. Everybody in this place say, I am not afraid. Does your soul good to hear your mouth say it? Again, if we look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Now, first and foremost, we as believers should not want to receive anything that hasn't come from God. And fear does not come from God. For God has not given us the spirit of fear. Well, I, I get afraid sometimes that helps me to get prepared. That's not God. How do you know? Yeah, you got prepared for the worst. God wants you to get prepared for the best. So when fear comes, do not accept it. Doctor report comes and it's negative or something bad. Do not accept it. So what is the number one thing that the enemy wants us to fear? He wants us to fear that God, what he has promised in his word is not enough. That there's more or there is somehow we're not able to receive it. I want to show you something. If we look at Mark chapter 4 verse 13. And Jesus is speaking. He says to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? He's lumping all the things he shares with them into one. And he says, the sower sows the what? The word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. Then when they hear, Satan comes and immediately he comes to take away the word that was sown in their hearts. 
So the moment the preacher speaks the word or you speak the word in prayer and declaration, here comes the devil. There's always a demonic attack to do what? To steal the word so that it's being scattered on the ground. He comes and plucks it up so that it cannot take root and grow in your life. Satan comes immediately, that quick, to steal the word and says things to you like, well, you know, yeah, God did say it, but you know, you know, sometimes it means what it means, and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes he does for certain people, and if they're good enough, and sometimes he doesn't if they're not good enough. He, all that stuff comes into our play, and it begins to build fear inside of us. And then it says, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they heard the word, immediately received it with gladness, but they had no root in themselves, and so endured only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arose, for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Um, guys, you may not like this, but you will. You'll understand this, but most people don't get this. They received the word of gladness because it took root. So it was working, but the root was not able to grow deep enough. They didn't have the relationship with God the way they needed to have relationship with God. And if I can take it to the next level, and you must understand, that's why we come together as the church that Jesus designed. Why? So our roots can be what? Bloom where we are planted. That we flourish in the courts of our God. But they wanted to do their own thing. They received the word, but they went and did their own thing. When tribulation hit, man, that trouble overtook them and they stumbled. Now these are the ones who were sown among thorns. They're the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in choke the word. Right? Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the pride of life. And it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word. What's the next words? Accept it and bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. Remember I told him a moment ago? I said, when fear comes, do not accept it. But when the word is preached like it is tonight, you are to what? Accept it. It does what? It dislodges fear, and now that word can take root in you, and you begin to bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold in your life. But the word has to be accepted. Accepted. Say this I will accept God's word, even the tough stuff. By the way, all of us have tough stuff in the word we read that we'd rather not read, right? There's things in there that I don't like. I do not like turn the other cheek. Oh, y'all, you all say more than I am, I guess. You do me wrong, I'm going to knock you out. Now I won't because I'm mature in the things of God, but that's my first thought. And then I rebuked that and said, that's not what God used to turn the other cheek. I got to do, and I got to go through the process here because I've accepted the word of God, Right? But my natural man doesn't like to be fronted. I don't like that, right? Neither do you. Uh, you can go on down the list. Do good to those who spitefully use you. Love your enemies. No. 
No. Yeah, no. How many's ever struggled with that one before? Forgive them who have done you wrong. Uh-uh. No likey. We want him to we want to we want to call for God's vengeance. Oh Lord, send your angels to destroy their house. Oh God, send lightning bolts to them and take them out that they may receive you in the end. We try to get real spiritual at the end part there. But I have to learn to accept his word, even the stuff I don't like. So you've got to make up your mind right now that you are going to trust God no matter what it looks like. No matter what kind of news you hear. And I would tell you, turn off that doggone news. And I mean, be informed, but, at, at just, but after you get informed, don't listen to it all the time. I haven't. I have been so free. You know what happened was, I'm, a, I'm kind of a news guy. You know, I, like my, I love my news. I, I love it. I just want to get more of it. You know, I'm, I'm in. News alert. What's going on? Same thing they said an hour ago. But they, that noise came, and when that noise happened, I got triggered. I was like, oh, what's going on? Same exact thing, nothing more. It's to get you to keep listening and keep watching their commercials because that's how they pay their bills, and then I'll buy their products and all that stuff, right? So, uh, but what happened, we did this prayer and fast at the beginning of the year. I just shut it all off. So now I got people, did you hear? No, I didn't. Tell me about it. They'll tell me a little bit about it. That's how I've been getting my news lately, praise God. The important things, I will look it up or I'll, I'll watch it for a little bit, but very little. And I've noticed that I've had so much more peace. I ain't angry at nobody anymore, praise God. I was mad at the people on the left or the right. I'm mad at the people in the middle. I'm mad at everybody, praise God. Not anymore. I just feel like I'm free now. I can just love people, amen. I will tell you, I will tell you all that is designed to stir your emotions. Get back to the word. Amen. Quit fighting one another. Amen. And you will find that your, your peace will begin to return to you. And I found out that I begin to trust God more now than I had in previous years because I am in a place of prayer with the Almighty. Amen. Amen. Everybody say, I got to trust him. When I was a young man, I was invited to go to the Philippines. And uh, I was, uh, I don't know, I think 23, 24 years old. And so I was invited to go with this missionary man. He was in his 60s, old, older man, good shape. And so he was going to take me. It was a 17-day missionary trip. I'd never been out of the country, let alone all the way across the world. And so now I'm there. When I tell you that the spiritual activity there is so much more alive than it is here, I, I, cannot, I, cannot, I cannot tell you enough. It's the supernatural is a part of their world over there. And... Um, and so I went, and, and um, long story short, he, the, the missionary friend that I had, his name was Ron, and he had a bunch of equipment. And we couldn't get what they call a jeepney, which is the taxi services that can carry people and it can carry luggage and things of that nature. So all we could get was these two motorcycles with a side cart, right? And they had a little bit of space for luggage in the back. And so we had to split up. So I had half the gear. He had the other half of the gear. And we are going to have this revival place at this great big convention center. And here we are two white guys in the middle of the Philippines with all this equipment, and he said, I'm going to go first, and you meet me at the bus station. So um, 
I get my guy, pulls over. He, 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 they call you Joe when you're from your America. They call you, hey, Joe. And they, and they say, and you tell him what you want to do. He says, all right, gotcha. And so he puts all the stuff on his bike, and we, get, we take off. Now, I notice he's not going the right direction. I do notice that we have a problem with our language, but my first thought was I was afraid. I'm thinking right away, this guy's going to take me out somewhere. He's going to kill me and take this, all this equipment, right? And so finally, finally, I see a bus go by. And I was like, hey, follow that bus, that bus. No, 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 another way, another way. I said, no, follow the bus. Well, he's angry. He turns the bike, and now we're following the bus. But he decides he's not going to take me. He's mad at me now. So he goes about three or four more blocks. He pulls over, and he says, oh, that's, that's it, get off. So I get off the bike, get all the equipment out, and I'm in the middle of nowhere. One street, kind of like a dirt road, and right, right across that little area is nothing but jungle. They call it the bush, okay? I'm dropped off there. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just there. So I started praying the Spirit because I needed God to help me out, right? All of a sudden, out of the jungle, the bush, gave about 10 men. And these were, not your, these, were not, these were not what we call them Wall Street guys. You know what I'm talking about? They were coming out of the jungle. No shirts on, crisscross bullets, guns, not kidding you, knives, machetes, the whole bit. And they're walking towards me. They're whistling to each other to come out, to come towards me. Now they're coming over to me. They surround me. So as you know, I, I've told this story before, I begin to pray in the spirit and say, in the name of Jesus, no harm will come to me. Lord, I thank you. You're surrounding me. So now they're talking to one another. They're looking me up and down. They're looking at that equipment, right? All of a sudden, I felt a big hand on my shoulder and give me a good squeeze. Well, the, the guy I was with was six foot four, six foot five guy, big guy. So I knew it was Ron who was standing behind me. As soon as I felt that hand on my shoulder and I felt that hand squeeze me, I felt a little bit better, obviously, because I knew there was somebody there with me. Those men looked at each other all confused. They, began, they just started looking at each other, shaking their heads, talking to one another, and they one by one kind of wobbled off back into the jungle. In the bush and left me right there. I turned around and say, Thank God, Ron, you're here. When I turned around, nobody was standing there. I know God sent an angel to protect me. God's always got your back. Don't ever think He don't come through in a time of trouble. He will send supernatural help. Everybody say, God will protect me. Now tonight, I want to give you instruction of how to turn on your covenant of safety and protection. And if you'll activate it every day, every single day, every single day, you'll never worry about coronavirus or any other virus, public shootings, terrorist attacks, or anything else that hurts your children. You will know that you are covered. I want us to look at Psalms chapter 91. Last night I got online and I prayed this because this is what's burning in my spirit. It's become a revelation to me. And it is, it is in fact, the instruction that God has laid out for his security program for his people. Verse number one says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now apparently... This is a promise of, from God of his favor and his protection. As long as we what? Let's read the verse again. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide. Say it with me. Shall 
abide on the shadow of the Almighty. So his promise of favor and protection has this little caveat. I'm going to have to learn to dwell in him. Now, that didn't say visit him every now and again. It said dwell in him. Come on, someone say amen. And then it said and abide in him. Dwell in him, abide in him. The word abide means to set up a residence. So it's not once in a while vacation time or when I feel like it time or here and there time or only when I'm in trouble time, but it's a day-by-day process, a day-by-day relationship, and even higher, a day-by-day fellowship with the Almighty. I dwell. Come on. I abide in him. Jesus said, if you abide in me and I in you, come on. You, you what? Your branches will bring what? Fruitful. So here we see, same thing in the scripture, remind us as long as we have a relationship with the Almighty, not here and there, hit and miss, but every day, he'll protect us. He'll favor us. So, so, so we could say this. Those who continually trust in the Lord will have the Lord come to their defense. Samuel told Saul, he said to him, because Saul was in trouble, he said, Saul, if you would have remained small in your own eyes, there would have been much God could do for you. But because you decided to become big, self-reliant, y'all didn't hear that, in your own eyes, there are much fewer options. That's what he told him. And God cannot come through for you because you put yourself in the place where God should be and abide alone. The more self-reliant we become, the more we push God out of our lives. And then when trouble comes, it's very difficult for him to move on our behalf. Why? We are fear motivated. We're not motivated by trusting God, reliance on the Almighty, putting our ability in him, Right? We're not, we're, not, we're not motivated by faith any longer, but by fear of what could be. And so we move in a place of self-preservation. Take care of me and mine because, man, you never know. Nobody's promised tomorrow, so therefore i got to take care of myself today. You have to always remember to remain small in your eyes. I'm not saying look down in yourselves. That's not what God is saying. But to remember that compared to him, the Bible says, let God be magnified. Did you know that's in your Bible? Let God be magnified. What does a magnifier do? It presents something bigger. God must become bigger. He must increase. I must decrease. Verse 2, he says this, the Bible says this, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God In him will I trust. Well, we already went over the trust part of this. But don't forsake the beginning part of the verse. I will say of the Lord. You have to say. Somewhere you got to open your mouth and go public with God's word. And you don't care what anybody else thinks about it. Now, you can say what you want. But there's been two snowstorms that's come in this place. And the first one I got with you and said, we're going to call it out. 
We're going to say in the name of Jesus, get out of here. And they kept on, watch this, they kept on making that thing, kept on being downgraded, downgraded. Till it became just, it spit a little bit and that was it. 15 inches was coming our way. Now, last Sunday, went with some friends in Chicago and uh, Dennis and Bobby Joe White. And uh, they were up there and, and we're talking about, and they, did you hear about the snow that's coming? It's just said, oh, no, devil, no. They said, we're going to get 15 inches, and so was Milwaukee. Milwaukee's going to get about half that. I said, no. I was in the car. I said, no, it's not going to happen. They laughed. Ha, 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 yeah. They laughed at me. I said, watch. I'm going to Matter of fact, I said, let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus. We stopped in that car and said, it's not coming to Milwaukee. No. Either push that thing out into the lake or keep it at 36 degrees, whatever you got to do. You know your business. I just know my business. I said, I just know my business. I said, now we touch the green, it's going to happen. And I said, I got some more people, we're going to pray. Nothing's going to, because we had, we had our 2020, 2020, thing coming. We had, we had, we had stuff happening, praise God. And we weren't going to be, you know, just put out like that. So we rebuked it. What happened? Nothing. Not even, a, nothing, nothing, nothing happened. And, and, and Chicago got about six inches and so. He's called, he called me up. He, man, he said, listen, preacher. He said, I just got back in the house. I just got done shoveling three inches of snow, and it's still snowing. I said, brother, where is your faith? He said, oh, God. I knew you were going to say something like that. <laughs> he said, you called it, didn't you? You called it right in the truck. He said, why didn't you say Chicago, too? You just said Milwaukee. I said, man, that's your city. You got to take care of your business. I got to take care of mine. He said, you did it, man. You just said, I'm, I, I said, look, I'm not prideful. But I believe in the power of this thing. I really honestly do. So you got to say. So let's say it together. It's to put it back in scripture, that scripture right there. I will say, no, number two. I will say of the Lord. Here we go. He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. Now give the Lord a shout about that right now. Say it. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? The promises of God are voice activated. You must speak his word. You must declare his word. If you decree a thing, it shall be established. So light will shine on your ways. Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life are in the power. And by the way, I'm going into a whole series on Thursday nights. I think starting next week on the confession. You're going to love all this. This is just a little teaser. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat the fruit thereof. Every time you speak, you're either turning on the death cycle or the life cycle. And what's the death and life over? Humanity? No. Over your harvest. And those who love it will eat the fruit thereof. And I'm here to tell you, you got a major harvest coming. And it's not dependent upon God. It's dependent on what you say about it. Walking by a field, Jesus said, what do you see? They said, four more months, then comes the harvest. He said, everybody says that. Says that. He said, lift up your eyes and look again for the harvest has already come. you got to talk like it's already there. And Jesus said, out of the abundance of the, the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the overspill of the heart, the mouth speaks. You can't blame 
God. I mean, I love blaming the devil, but you can't even blame the devil for that, for the fruit of your life. Because whatever's in that heart comes out your mouth. And that turns on death or life. I'll go so far to say, when you start saying, I hope I don't get that corona thing. That ain't enough. In the name of Jesus, I will not get any virus, let alone the coronavirus. Not me. See the difference? I turned on life. Right? What if my heart is wrong? Because whatever's in your heart comes out your mouth, and that predicts your life. That, 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 the Bible says, out of, out, of the heart, out of the heart spring the issues of life. Right? That, that's the flow of life and the borders of life. So you create your own boundaries with what's in your heart. But if my heart is wrong, then I need to change my heart. That's how we got, I'm going to just give the Psalms 45.1. The latter part says this, my tongue is the pen of a ready writer. That means with my tongue, I become the author of my future. And I can do what? The Bible says, and I'll write my laws or my word upon the tablets of their heart. So you write on the tablets of your heart with your tongue. So when you speak the word of God and confess the word of God, speak the word of God and declare the word of God and pray the word of God, you are what? You're changing your heart now and you're rewriting the script. You are the author that gives yourself authorization for your future, whether it be good or whether it be bad. Are y'all learning something tonight? Watch your mouth. Touch your neighbor and say, watch your mouth. The devil's going to trip you up, trick you, get you in a place to start cussing and cursing. You're supposed to be a born-again child of God. F this, F that. Come on, man. I almost said something, but I would offend everybody, probably including myself and Jesus, so I won't say it. I, I'm not self-righteous. I got to watch my tongue. I don't cuss like that, but I got to watch my tongue because I got Christian, um, I got Christian curse words. Stinking, rotten, no good, jerk. Still cussing. Just they're still foul to God. They're still messing up my life. Instead of instead of blessing, I'm cursing, right? Oh, don't, and he'll get you so frustrated and angry until it only feels good to just say that cuss word was said. I'm just going to say it. It'll feel so good. And guess what's going to happen? It's going to feel really good when you do it. Oh, you're going to feel good. But then about 15 minutes later, you're going to feel like, God, that ain't what you want. I pray to God you start turning that tongue around so you can start speaking words of affirmation towards your future. So what are we to speak? What are we to speak? God's protection plan over our lives, our marriages, our children, our grandchildren, our church, our city. Here it is what we're supposed to speak over them. <clears throat> Next verse. Surely he shall deliver you from the stare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler.
You shall not be afraid of the terror by night. You don't need to go to sleep afraid. Nor the arrow that flies by day. No, that's what someone trying to attack you. Nor the pestilence that walks in darkness. That's coronavirus. Nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side. Ten thousand at your right hand. You know, bad things do happen in this world, unfortunately. Would you like to know my take on the coronavirus? I think it's a wake-up call. I think we're going to get a handle on it in the natural. I do. I don't think it's going to help a lot of people, though, beforehand. I think there's going to be a whole lot of people who will die. And it's unfortunate. It's a casualty. I'm, I'm, guys, I'm telling you what I know. When God gets fed up with something, he is so merciful and kind and just and loving, and his mercy is long-suffering. But when he gets done with something, he's done with it. And you start seeing the wrath begin to be poured out. And it's like judgment because he's a just judge and he's following the rules here, right? He gives everyone a time and span to repent. And I do believe the judgment of God is in involved in this. I really do. And the reason why I believe that, because I shared a prophecy that I have not shared with the church. I don't think I have. Correct me if I'm wrong. I shared with all my elders and pastor friends and preachers and people I know a prophecy that God gave me a few weeks back. And in the prophecy, God was saying that the greatest outpouring was about to happen. Revival was about to happen in the greatest dimension we've ever known. But simultaneously, there would be the judgment of God. And many would die. Now, guys, I've learned something about myself. I know I hear the voice of the Lord. I don't always get it right because I'm a human being. But, boy, I get, I get, I get pretty close all, almost all the time. And there's always these adjustments, but I'm here to tell you, when I felt that, man, I felt that all the way down to my toes. I knew that was God. And now I'm seeing this take place. I go, okay, Lord, something's up here. But just like the plagues that came over Egypt that were to do nothing more than catapult God's people into the promised land, to set them free from a system and put them totally dependent upon God and receiving his promised land to them, the plagues came over the Egyptians, but they did not harm the children of Israel. The same is true for this. But we've got to be consistent. We've got to be consistent. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. It says here, but it shall come, but shall not come near you. What? The plague. The arrow by, that flies by day and the destruction lays waste at noonday and the, and, the, and, the, and the darkness at night, the pestilence that comes. It shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, but not upon the righteous. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. If you'll speak this every single day, it will never come to you. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra. Go into dangerous places. The young lion, the serpent, you shall trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. God said, you put your love on me, I deliver you. I will set him high, because he has known my name. He shall call upon me. Did you hear that? 
and I will answer him. I will be with him where? In trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Can somebody give the Lord a shout of praise for his word tonight?